Spirit, session number two. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for another opportunity to uh, just come together and um, talk about you. And uh, that's, that's, a, that's a good thing. We, we're, our lives are filled with so much crazy junk that um, just to have a time like this to uh, get together as your, as your children and talk about you is, is just really nice. So just thank you for this time. And may it be a blessing to all of us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, um, so let's just do a little review here. Um, we talked about who or what is the Holy Spirit. That was kind of the over, overarching thing last week. Um, we talked about the doy thing that the Holy Spirit is God. Um, maybe, maybe it's not so doy, but, um, and, and that the Holy Spirit is a separate person from the Father and the Son, so God, but a separate person. I don't know if you've ever seen this, but this is, this is really, um, this is an ancient um, diagram of the Trinity. You've seen this, the triangle. And, um, it's, it's, the, it's the best um, uh, description of the Trinity. You can't do too much more than this. So this is, you've got God, and you've got the Father, You've got the Son. You've got the Spirit. Okay? So they're all God. So the Father is God. The Son is God. The Spirit is God. But the Father not the Son. The Spirit is not the Son, nor is the Son the Spirit, and the Spirit is not the Father. That's it. That's the Trinity. I mean, you can't do... <laughs> so, that's, that's, that's about... All the theology about the Trinity is, is this is it. It's just, just a good summary. And, um, you know, the, the nuances are how is the Father God, you know, and all this, and, you know. But this is just what the Bible says, and uh, I, I like it because it's easy to just picture in our minds. So we talked about that. Um, we talked about the, um, the role of the Spirit that he's God, but he's different from the Father and Son and, and has a different role. And a lot of what this course is is talking about what, that's, what the Spirit does. Um, and, um, and then we talked about the differences between the working of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament and New Testament. So somebody pick up on that. What happened at Pentecost? What was new at Pentecost? The Spirit, yeah, God poured out a Spirit on all his people. Um, why? Who had the Spirit in the Old Testament? How did that work? Okay, special people, special occasions. Um, the Spirit would come upon people, um, not everybody, and he might leave if, if that task was done or if God was done with that person or whatever. Okay, 
So yeah, um, New New Testament, you got to realize, okay, when I read the Old Testament, I got to read it knowing that I'm in the New Testament times. And so keep that in mind. And uh, yeah, the Holy Spirit doesn't do that anymore. He doesn't come and go. He's not just on pastors. Um, he's he's on everybody, you know. When Anna, has Anna committed her life to Christ yet? Several times. Yeah. Well, when she does it genuinely, you never know with kids. You never know with kids, you know, the, no matter, you know, whenever that is, the Holy Spirit will live live in her and for the rest of her life. So, um, and then we talked about the main purpose of the Holy Spirit. Um, and what was that? Or what is it? What's the main purpose of the Holy Spirit? To glorify Christ. Okay. All right, to glorify Christ. Now, this... We ended on that, and that is crucial for all that follows, okay? And it's also crucial for our life in and with the Spirit. Um, If we don't understand that or get that, his main purpose, we don't understand the Holy Spirit or his work in the church or in our lives or in the world, okay? Um, Why is that true? Why is that so important to know the main purpose of the Holy Spirit? Yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. So we, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, you can use the analogy, if you're working for a business, and you don't know what the purpose of that business is for some reason, or you're confused about it, or you think it's one purpose, but it's really another for some reason, um, you're going to have problems. You're going to have problems working in that business, okay? Um, so, um, or if you're working with somebody as a partner and somehow it hasn't been communicated well to you um, what the main purpose of that partnership is, of that partner, um, man, they're going to, there are going to be all kinds of problems that way, okay? So um, our life in the Spirit, with the Spirit, and we'll see that as we, as we go along here and get into some of that stuff, um, is, is dependent upon this. So the main purpose of the Holy Spirit, glorify Christ. Now, so let's, let's, let's move on now. So let's talk about the main tool. Talked about the main purpose. Let's talk about the main tool of the Holy Spirit. What do you think it might be? The main tool. I mean, he, he uses lots of stuff, but what's the main, his main tool? What do you think it might be? Yeah, you got it, man. She nailed it right on. Yes, she gets an A for today. Okay, Amy. Um, yeah, it's scripture. Why do you think so? You just said it. Yep. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, okay. Yeah, the main tool of the Holy Spirit in, in all his works, whether it's in us as individuals or in the church or out in the world, whatever it is, is the, the scriptures, the word of God, okay? So we'll talk, that's, that's, that's what we're going to talk about a lot uh, tonight. Um, so look at Second Peter 1, uh, 20 and 21. These are a couple, we're going to look at a couple of the classic passages that highlight this, this truth. Um, and some of you or most of you or many of you have probably run across these verses before um, or have heard about them before. Second Peter 1, 20 and 21. So somebody, um, why don't you start in verse 19, whoever reads, who, who wants to read for us? Go ahead, okay. Yeah, go 19. Okay, I want you to keep in mind that, that idea as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit, okay? Now, let's, uh, so keep that in mind. Um, you might keep a, uh, a finger in that passage or, or, or mark. Um, let's look at 2 Timothy 3, 15 to 17. 2 Timothy 3. Um, why don't you start in 14? Who, who wants to read that for us? Kyle, you want to read that? Okay, so now here's another, another phrase. All scripture is breathed out by God, okay? So you've got these two things, carried along and br then breathed out by God. Um, what do you make of that? Um, how would you describe that? So these guys are sitting down writing. You know, Matthew's writing his gospel. Uh, Moses is sitting down writing his five books. And it says, as they did this, um, they were writing what was breathed out by God. How do you picture that? I mean, how did that happen? What do you think?
Okay. Okay. Yep. Yep. Anybody else want to say how how they picture that in their minds when they read when you read these passages or or maybe you've been taught in these passages? Anybody? This is, this is where we get the commonly used word for the Holy Spirit's role in producing the Bible, inspiration. So you've, you've heard about the inspiration of the Word of God. Well, it comes from this, this um, idea of being breathed out, carrying, carried along. It's, it's the theologian's way of, it's their word for describing the Spirit role in producing this thing that we call the Word of God. Um, so I've got a quote there. This is from um, Erickson's Christian Theology, um, which, is, which is good, by the way. Um, and this is what he says about inspiration. It's that supernatural influence of the Holy Spirit upon the Scripture writers which rendered their writings an accurate record of the re- revelation of God and resulted in what they wrote being the word of God. Okay, let me read that again. It's the supernatural influence of the Holy Spirit upon the scripture writers. So, so there's a mystery there. You, you know, the best they could do to explain this was, well, kind of like God breathing stuff out, you know, um, which rendered their writings an accurate record of the revelation of of God and resulted in what they wrote being the word of God, okay? Now, this is why when you study the Bible, you find that. Now, this, as you study the Bible, then, you kind of get a picture um, of what this might have meant for the writers. Um, first of all, number one, it's written in the common human languages of the day, Okay? Now, that maybe seems like a doy, but that's really important. The Old Testament was written in what? Hebrew primarily, a little bit of Aramaic in there. Um, and the New Testament was written in? In Greek. Okay, so that's important because whatever God wanted to communicate to us, he had to do it through those languages and the words available in those languages. If there was not a word for that thing in the language, couldn't be expressed, or it had to be expressed in the best possible way, language, using the language that they had. Um, and one, one of the best examples of that is back in the story of the flood, Genesis 6. Um, let me see how it's translated here in, um, in the ESV. Um, 
Genesis 6. It says in verse 6, when God saw how evil things were, and the Lord regretted that he had made man on earth. Now that's an interesting word because regret to us, what does that imply? You wish you hadn't done it, that you made a mistake. That was a dumb thing to do or a bad thing to do that you shouldn't have done. Well, does God really have something dumb that he did that he wished he had never done? So how, how do we know? So this is an example of this is the closest that we could come in human language to express how God felt and reacted to the evil of mankind at the time of Noah, the time of the flood. Um, it's as close as you can get with human language. And we know it's just close because of the rest of the Bible. We all said, does God really do something dumb that he regrets doing? No, we know that. How do we know that? From the rest of the Bible. So we know that this was the best word that was the Holy Spirit could use because he could only use the words that were there in Hebrew. Okay? So um, here's, here's an example I use when um, we're talking, when, it, when, I, when I was teaching in Rwanda. So in Rwanda, um, they've never seen a bear. Okay? N have no idea what that is unless they're, you know, seen a movie or something. But they don't know what a bear is. So you want to describe to them a bear. How do you do that? How do you describe to somebody something that they've never experienced in their whole lives? Well, you can say things like, well, it's maybe the size of some of your cows, okay? And it's got fur like a cow, but it, most of them, it's, it's longer, maybe more like the fur on a lion. They know what a lion is. Well, and it's fierce like a lion, okay? Um, uh, you know, and you go on like this. And so when you're all done, what do you think the picture of a bear is in their minds? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of, how do you know? I mean, it's kind of, you do the best you can. So... God is explaining to us himself spiritual realities that we have no idea. Heaven, God himself, angels, the realities of the spiritual world, we have no idea what they are, and he's doing it with our human language, and we're doing the best we can. That's why Paul says we see in a, dark, a glass darkly, because that's the way it is. Because, so this has implications. The Holy Spirit did not use some kind of heavenly language that was perfectly suited to, had all the right words, all the right vocabulary, all the right grammar, everything. Well, it wouldn't have done any good because nobody would know it. So he, he used the languages that we know. And so when we look at the Bible, um, that's why when we actually see God and see Jesus and see all this reality, we're, we're going, oh, my goodness, that's what it's like. This is like, 
That's why Paul says, I has not seen nor ear heard. We just can't conceive of that. So, um, so that's the implication there. Um, yeah, so it's written in the common language, human languages of that day. And then, of course, we have it translated into our language, which is just another step away. <laughs> if you've ever worked cross-culturally, you know all the trips and tra traps of that. Okay, <clears throat> the second thing. The personalities and styles of the individual writers show through. Okay, I think you're aware of that, aren't you? Like when you read, um, when I mean, we studied the book of, of, J, of James, okay, and how different that is from, say, Philippians. I mean, it's like, yeah, it's the word of God, but the style and the approach and the feeling of the ethos of that book is just totally different. The style, the personality of James is really different from Paul, and that came right through the book, okay? You read the Gospel of John, and then you're very philosophical and kind of some of his things are hard to get a grasp of, and the way he expresses things, you know. And then you've got the Gospel of Mark. It's just like boom, boom, boom. This happened, this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened. Boom, boom, boom. This is what Jesus said. And it's just really different, okay? Um, and you got Luke who puts in all the stuff about, you know, because of his doctor background, you know? So, um, so when you think about, okay, somehow the Spirit he was supernaturally working in these people, but he didn't dictate. It wasn't dictation. It wasn't taking their hand and making them write certain things. It wasn't even taking their mind and making them write in a certain way. No, somehow, in a mysterious way, which is always the case, God's mysterious ways in working in and through mankind, somehow, um, they're their personalities and their personal styles of writing um, showed through, okay? Um, idioms, proverbs, figures of speech of that day are used, okay? Um, we saw that on, on Sunday, Ma uh, Matthew 16. Jesus uses that proverb, you know? We've got a similar one, but there are other proverbs in the, in, from that day. They're not proverbs in the book proverbs. They're just proverbs from that day, like all Cretans are liars. <laughs> you know, that, that, was a, that was a proverb of the day that we see in, in 1 Corinthians. So things like that show up in there. Um, figures of speech, like we, we, uh, in Matthew, when Jesus goes up to Tyre and Sidon and there's the woman that asked for her daughter to be healed and he calls her a dog. Well, that was, that was an idiom of that day. That's what Jews called Gentiles behind their backs. You know, dogs. So these things, the common language, the Proverbs, figures of speech, um, even stories from that time, like in Jude, uh, Jude verse 9, um, you've got the story about uh, somehow Satan fighting over the body of Moses. Well, that was a story from their time, and, and scholars debate whether just like we would maybe in a sermon illustration quote um, Tolkien in The Lord of the Rings and say, this is like when, you know, 
Frodo, no, that was in the, the Hobbit. Frodo found the ring, you know, um, and everybody knows what you're talking about. Um, so there's debate. Was there really some kind of a, uh, a fighting over the body of Moses? Um, or was this just a quote from a story that the Jews were familiar with and told each other that everybody knew in those days? Um, but those kinds of things show up because it was a story, and you can go in, you can go in Jewish literature and find that story. Um, so um, cultural perspectives and background are evident. So you've got the invisible, what I call the invisible women in the gospel. I mean, there's, you, you get hints that these women were following Jesus just as closely as the men, but you don't know about them. They were the ones that actually provided for this crew of people, but they're invisible because in those days, women were invisible, you know? If we were writing the whole story today, we'd probably talk about those women. We'd have chapter about those women probably, or at least a paragraph, um, or the, the lack of any description or mention of family. Did you ever think about that? You go through the story. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the whole book of Acts, and all these guys have families, or most of them. <laughs> but what, what? What? There's nothing there about their wives and their kids and how that all worked out. We have no idea. It's just kind of a blank spot that if we were writing today, we would have put stuff like that in there. So a lot of that is just cultural perspective. You know, the, the Holy Spirit, if it was necessary that the Holy Spirit have something put in there, and he did. He did at the end, you know. That's why I think right at the end, uh, uh, it's like the Holy Spirit's going, these guys, man, women are invisible to these guys. Well, I'm going to show them. So at the resurrection, who sees Jesus first? <laughs> the women. I mean, in the resurrection stories, it's the women. From the, from the crucifixion on, it's the women. It's the women. It's the women. The men wimp out, and the women. And I think that the Spirit just says, that's, that's going to be in there. You guys, to you guys, women are invisible, but that's going to go in there, you know. Um, and, of course, there's various types of literature that those society used. Um, there's, there's poetry in the Psalms, for example, but it's, it's Hebrew poetry. It's not our kind of poetry. You know, Hebrew poetry had all different kinds of things that Chiasm, you probably studied that, or you're going to study that. You know how, how um, you know, they talk about A, B, and then B, like again, B, and then A over here, and there's C in the middle, and, and all this kind of stuff. Um, they put things together like that. We don't, we don't write poetry like that, but they did. And so when you, when you look at the Psalms, um, Hebrew type of poetry is what the Holy Spirit used to communicate the truths from David and the writers. So... Um, or the narrative, um, it, the narratives of the of the of the Bible are not the kind of narratives that you get when somebody's writing about an event today, like a newspaper story, or a story in National Geographic, or something like that. Totally different way of presenting stuff. They're much less concerned about the order of events, um, and that's why in the Gospels, you know, you're going, well, gosh, Luke presents it like this. But in Matthew, it's like this. Well, because they didn't really care. That wasn't their purpose. 
And we're really concerned about that. What happened first? What happened next? What happened next? What happened next? Whereas they weren't really that concerned about that. And so that kind of way of writing, that kind of way of doing stuff, the Holy Spirit just used that. Now, um, so, but there is an amazing unity and flow as if behind all this variety is a single overseeing author, because there was. So despite all these different people, all their different styles, the different languages, the different um, ways of, 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 of expressing themselves, there's a, there's a tremendous unity as you go through the, through, the, through the Bible. I had a Greek professor. I studied, I studied Greek in college. Not at, I, I did in seminary too, but I took classical Greek in, at the University of Denver. And the teacher was this really weird guy. I'm absolutely not a Christian. He was the kind, he'd come into class. This was in the 70s, okay? <laughs> he'd come into class and say, man, man, I had a, a time last night. He said, I was floating up above my bed, and I could see my body down there, man. You know, so this is my Greek teacher, you know. <laughs> but he, 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 he says, so he had us read some of the, we read a couple of the um, um, letters of Paul, in this, in this secular Greek, just to get a taste of, of Koine Greek and stuff like that. And he told us this. He says, I have read the whole New Testament in Greek. And he said, there is an amazing, I know this book was written over various years by various people. He says, there is an amazing unity of thought and expression in this, in this New Testament that is remarkable. So that's this floaty guy, you know, that's what he's saying. So that's, that's, the, that's the Holy Spirit, okay? And then, so through all this normal human variety, the Holy Spirit works to create a writing that is the word of God, okay? So, um, so that's a long explanation. Of what, so what does it mean when the Holy Spirit breathed out? I think... Paul wanted to just make sure we realized it's, it was a soft inner type of spiritual influence. It wasn't like, like I said, it wasn't, he wasn't dictating. Um, he wasn't taking their hands and making them write this. It was some kind of very, very um, subtle but clear and definite leading of the Spirit through their own minds and their thinking and their attitudes and um, supervising somehow in a mysterious way so that when they wrote, it was their words, it was their thinking, it was their style, it was their language, but it was the Word of God. That's a remarkable thing that the Holy Spirit did. I think it's, it's, it's one of the most amazing things that the Holy Spirit's ever done. And, um, yeah, so let's read this quote from the, theo the theology book again. Um, inspiration. It's that supernatural influence, okay? So it's the Holy Spirit. It's an influence, okay, of the Holy Spirit upon the Scripture writers. So the Holy Spirit didn't write it. The writers did, each one individually with his own um, pen, thoughts, style, which rendered their writings, it was their writings, an accurate record of the revelation of God. 
So whatever God wanted to reveal to mankind was revealed through this writing, through these guys, which resulted in what they wrote being the word of God. So it is the word. All right? So that's the Bible. Um, questions. What is or what was new to you? What difference does this make? Mm -hmm. It is God's word. That's how he talks to us. Mm-hmm. Questions, new things, what difference does it make? What might be some implications, if this is true, what might be some implications for our study of the Bible? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about both those things more in a minute. Yeah, good, good, John. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why we need two. That's why we need um, scholars and teachers um, who, who can deal with these languages, who, who can look back, and, and that's what commentaries help us with. That's why if somebody's going to be a, a preacher of the word, it's really, really good for them to go get some training, some serious training, you know, about um, it's not that we can't, understand these things um, ourselves, but um, there are a lot of nuances and questions that arise because we don't know. Um, we, we run across these phrases, and we do the best we can to understand them, but we're not realizing, oh, that, that's an idiom from those days. Um, or that's, that's because that's the way Hebrew expresses things. Or this is a story from those days that they're bringing in here. And there's a whole bunch of implications and applications from that story that if we just read these 
this one sentence that this alludes to, we don't really get it all. You know, those kinds of things. So that's why um, it's really nice to have good Bible teachers, people who have studied, um, commentaries, and um, yeah, so it's really a cross-cultural experience when we read the Bible. We don't realize that, but it really is. Because you're reading letters that were written to other people in another time, another age, another culture, another language. So it's like if somebody, a father, was writing to his son in Kinyarwanda about some of the family affairs and, and all that. And somehow you just got a hold of that letter and you had somebody translate it. Well, there would be so much in that letter. And the, 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 the emotions behind it, you wouldn't get it all. Because you're reading something from another culture written to somebody else in another language. And that's how, that, that's, that's why. And then, so the task of missions is, is a serious task. Because then you're doing that. And then you're trying to, you, you understand it in English. And then you have to take it off into another language. So anyway. Um, all right, good. So, um, the, 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 the main tool of the Holy Spirit is the Word of God, and that's just a little background on how, um, how it came to be, uh, the amazing book that we have, all right? So the Holy Spirit, then, is the author behind the authors of the Bible, okay? Now, there's three points we can talk about here. It makes a difference so we talked about the Holy Spirit is, is God, is a, is a person, okay? Not just some kind of, this, this, this plays, plays in here. The Holy Spirit is not just some kind of a power or, or part of God or something. It, it makes a difference if behind the authors of the Bible is a person, an actual person, rather than some kind of power, you see? Um, what difference does that make? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think it has to do with all that we talked about. If it were just some kind of a power that overcame these guys, and like, you know, some kind of fire coming out and riding on the wall or something like that. That's a whole different, that's a whole different ballgame than what the Holy Spirit did. And the Holy Spirit could do all that because he's a person. And he knows, he knew John. And he knew James. And he knew Isaiah. And he knew Moses. Intimately. And knew how to just work within them and it's, it's really, really, really a, a beautiful thing. makes a difference behind the authors of the Bible as a person rather than some kind of power. And so this means that as we read through the Bible, we can expect the later to clarify the earlier and the earlier to contain seeds of the later. And that's, that's really important. Okay, sometimes they call that progressive revelation. But I think there's more than just progressiveness to it. Um, uh, Timothy Keller, in his book on prayer, which is, I, I, I don't know if I've mentioned it before, but it's a great book. 
Um, and it's, it's about much more than just prayer. It's about just um, how, to have a, how to relate to God through prayer and his word. Um, and um, he says, reading the Bible is like reading a novel. Um, you read it through once. And I, I'm, I'm thinking especially a complicated novel, like maybe an Agatha Christie or something like that. Everybody read Agatha Christie? Things are complicated, man. Let's read it. Right. You read it through once. Then when you read it through again, you're going, oh, wow, now I see. Because all these little things that you're just, it just seems like little things that are mentioned in the novel, you know. But, you're, but you, by the time you get to the end, you're going back and, oh, no, that really had significance. What that person said, whoa, that, that shaped what happened way down here, you see. Um, so when Moses was writing, yeah, the Holy Spirit, who was a person and an amazingly smart <laughs> person who knows everything and sees everything, is working in Moses. And so Moses is saying things that he doesn't even understand. We'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Have, have you ever read a novel, though, like that, where you've gone back and found lights going on as you've read it through the second time? Anybody ever read a book like that? Which one? You, you give an example. You know, the one, I, you, the, the one that I immediately comes to mind. Anybody read The Life of Pi? It's a, it's a, what's that? Yeah, the first time through, it's like, it almost seems like, it, it just seems like he's telling some kind of fantasy story and everything. But then you read it again, and you're going, oh my goodness, this is profound. And then you read it again, and you're going, wow. So, that, you know, so a, a human author can do that. But see what happened in the, in the Bible. It's like each, each little chapter was written by somebody else in a different time. And some of the chapters were even written in a different language, in a different culture, you know. And But the Spirit, it's, that's the same way. It's the same way. Um, so you've got the, um, so in Genesis 2, somebody mentioned this, I think, at some point. You've got the, um, let us make man in our image, you know. I have no idea what Moses thought when he wrote that. Um, Maybe he thought, I don't know what he thought. But that's what he wrote, and that's where the Holy Spirit was supervising. And, and, and even though he was using Moses' thoughts and everything, somehow into Moses' thoughts, this idea, let us make man in our image. I don't know what Moses thought about that. But, of course, we know what it is. It's the Holy Trinity. I mean, they, they knew nothing about it at that time. I mean, the, whole, the, the idea of the Trinity didn't really become clear until the New Testament, you know? Um, David didn't understand anything about the Trinity. That really became clear in the New Testament. And so, but, but there are hints of it because it was the Holy Spirit is the writer between, behind the writers of the, of the whole Bible. Um, there's, you see this, it's really cool when you keep that in mind when you think about 
the whole development of the idea of, of the Savior, the Messiah, from its first mention in, in uh, I think we all know Genesis 3.15, where it says, I'll put enmity between you and the woman, between her, her seed and your seed, and, and, and he will strike you on the heel, on the head, but you shall strike him on the heel. And you're going, okay, I don't know what they made of that. Moses wrote that. It was a quote from God, but they had no idea. They had no idea that the seed of the woman was going to be God himself. And they didn't even know, I don't think they even knew who Satan was. That to, to, to Eve, this was some kind of a snake dude that was talking to her. I mean, um, she didn't know that this was the evil creature of the universe. It just says in, in Genesis 3.1, it just says, and, and the, the, the serpent, which God had made, it says, as a creature that God had made, was very crafty, the most crafty. And so, um, and then, and then you, you, get to, you get to Abraham in, in Genesis chapter 12, where, where um, he says, um, um, he gives him the promise. He said, through your, I will bless the world through you, and then in verse, and then in, in chapter twenty-two, he makes it more clear. He says, "In your descendant, your seed," which is a word that can be—it's like we use seed—can be multiple or singular. You know, it doesn't have to be seed, but anyway, you can take that either way. All the world will be blessed. Well, they had no idea, you know, all this stuff. But the Holy Spirit was supervising all this stuff. So. Now, when you get to the New Testament, you can go back and read Genesis. You know, if you just read it starting in Genesis, you don't have any idea about the New Testament. You read, and let us make man in our image. You just kind of skip over that, and you, you just figure, I don't know, maybe it was a slip of the tongue or something. I don't know what it, what it was. But then when, when you get through the New Testament, and you come back and go, oh, yeah. Because Hebrews will tell you, you know, it says, it says, through Christ, through the Son, God created the world. Father did it. You know, he did it through the Son. And you're going, so there's an us there. Oh, okay, yeah. And you're seeing Jesus. And then you go back and you read Abraham, the story of Abraham and the whole promise thing and, and how it develops then through King David and everything. You're going, oh, wow, okay. So there's an author behind the authors of the Bible, okay? Now, the, the, the third point is, the author behind the authors of the Bible is also the one in you. That's cool. Okay, and that's what you said, John, or somebody. Was it you, John, that talked about, or was it you, Joel? I don't know, about, uh, um, or Megan maybe, about the relying on the Holy Spirit when we're reading the Bible. Now you can see why, right? I mean, you probably knew that already, but. How cool that is, that this, 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 this person who is God, who oversaw this, um, the writing of this amazing thing called the Word of God, it lives actually in you. And this is when theologians talk about that. They talk about illumination. So this inspiration, which is the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit to inspire or produce the word of God through the human authors. 
And then there's illumination, which is the word they use for the Holy Spirit's supernatural work as someone who dwells within us, helping us to understand this book, which he has written, had written, okay? So that's illumination. Um, so, um, yeah. So we already mentioned, you know, what, what, the, what, what that means. Um, obviously, let's, let's rely on that God. He's in us. Let's, let's ask him to help us. So whenever we, whenever, whenever we read the Bible, we should be asking the Holy Spirit, you know, to, to help us, you know. Um, I, I, I often like to pray, Lord, may the Holy Spirit open my heart to your word and your word to my heart. And just start any kind of reading or study, studying of the Bible, praying something like that. So, yeah. So any questions, anything new to you? Any, any more ideas about what difference this makes? Um, that there is an author behind one author. Any, any other comments, questions, new things to you? Okay. Okay. Absolutely, Mike. Yep. Okay. Yep. So. Yeah, I mean, if we have to read Agatha Christie a couple times, you get it. We, we think how often we need to read this thing to, you know, <laughs> to get all that's there, all that's there. And each time, that's why you can read it, you know. I came to Christ when I was 20 years old. I'm 70, my 71 life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Mm -mm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Does anybody, I mean, I, yeah, does anybody else feel like, okay, before coming to Christ, the Bible was like, I don't know what this is about. And then you come to Christ, and it's a rich book that feeds you. Anybody have that experience? I mean, I certainly do. I mean, after I came to Christ when I was 20 years old, it was like, I couldn't get enough of it. Man, I'd come, I was in college, University of Denver, sophomore, and man, i just come home and read that thing. Yeah, the Holy Spirit. Yes. I thought exactly the same thing, Amy. Yeah, and it just shows that, I, I don't know, I mean, Calvinism, I mean, I don't know, it, however you fall on that thing. Um, 
I, I, I just feel like it, it's not a pressure deal. You can read the New Testament, and you can actually read it in Greek, and you can see the amazing quality of this writing and its unity of thought, and doesn't do anything. Nope. Just goes, whoosh, just goes over, yeah. Doesn't mean nothing. It's sad. I thought the same thing, Amy. This guy, man, how could you do that? Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah. Yeah, he was too busy floating around his room. What's that? Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. It's just another book to him. A good one, an amazing one, but yeah. Yeah. So um, so let's, let's, let's talk about the value of the Holy Spirit's main tool, the Word of God. First, consider the time and effort that went into the production of the Word of God. And we didn't even talk about its preservation. That's another miracle of, you know, if, if you've ever read, you know, apologetic books on, you know, the question is: Is the Bible the Word of God? I mean, it's it's remarkable. There there is there are no other um, you know ancient accounts like like the life of of who uh, Alexander the Great, for example, where there's so many manuscripts from so early and multiple ones: Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. You know, not just one kind of that they dug up somewhere, but four different writers and multiple manuscripts that they found, some of them that date back to the, the, uh, the second century, actual manuscripts. There's no other historical thing like that in the, in the world, you know, and you're going, okay, you know. So, um, so that's, that's, that's another uh, thing that the Holy Spirit did. And it just made me think how we tend to hurry through everything in, in, in our lives as Americans, from one thing to another, can we work at savoring and appreciating slowly and over and over again something that it took God centuries and scores of people and experiences to create? You know, there's a, there's a quote in, in The Thousand Gifts. She's talking about the, the creation, appreciating God's creation, and it's the grandma that says something to the effect of, of, of she, she says, slow down and chew. She says, think about how much time and effort it took for God to create the world. And we're just zipping through it. And I was thinking about that as the word of God, you know? How much time it took God to cook this thing and make it a, a, the amazing thing that it is. And we just kind of, all right, you know, take a little bite here, a little bite there and swallow it really quick and, go about our business, you know. So um, the value of the Holy Spirit's main, main tool. Um, so let's, let's take a second look at 2 Timothy 3. L- l- open your Bibles to that again. 2 Timothy 3, 15 through 17. <clears throat> and somebody read that to us again.
Okay, so the main tool of the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, what are its benefits to us? What good is it to us, according to this verse? Be good. Teaches us. It saves us. It's able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Yep, what else? It, tra it trains us in righteousness. Corrects us. Equips us for every good work. Yeah, it's a remarkable verse. It says, so that the man of God, we'll see, there's, there's kind of a, you know, the cultural thing, instead of saying the people of God. I mean, they, they didn't mean to leave out women, but that's just the way they talked in those days, you know, so the Spirit of God used that. But anyway, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So, it's right here. You want to be complete. That's why we said it's the main tool of the Holy Spirit as he works in us and through us. We can be complete, equipped for every good work through the teaching, the correction, the training, the knowledge of the Word of God. Okay? That's how important it is. All right? What then should be the role of this main tool of the Holy Spirit in our lives? What should it be? Some of you mentioned some things before. You can say some of the same things again. If this is true, what should be the role, the place of the main tool of the Holy Spirit in our lives? in our lives daily. Yeah. This main tool in the Christian life. Um, so we talk about, again, somebody, somebody mentioned this. Um, we talk about the leading of the Spirit. So if, if the Word of God is the main tool of the, of the Holy Spirit in our lives, when we talk about the leading of the Spirit, what are the implications of that? You know, like you're saying, I'm seeking God's will. I'm seeking God's leading as I, okay, you know, look for a job or, you know, look for school or, you know, whatever. If the main tool of the Holy Spirit is the Word of God, what's the implication of that as we seek the leading of the Spirit? Go to his word before you go anywhere else. Go to his word, and the answer might be there. You know, should I buy this house? Well, what's the word got to say about this stuff? You know, what's got stuff to say about how I use my money and what I'm striving for and everything? Let me look at that first. That doesn't mean you don't think about, you know, the other stuff. Um, but from, it, it gives you, it gives you God's perspective of everything you do. You know, what college should I go to? You know, it may not be, it doesn't mean, you know, 
oh, I'm going to read, I'm going to go to the Bible. That means I, I, I'm going to go to a Christian college. Maybe not. Maybe it'll mean you go to Stanford, MIT. You know, it doesn't necessarily dictate exactly what you're going to do, but it, it, you start there, and it gives you the perspectives. Um, everything, everything in life, you start there. You start there. You start there. That's the leading, um, the leading of the Spirit. You always start with the main tool, and then you go from there. Um, growth in the in our Christian lives. If if the Bible is the main tool of 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 the of the of the of the Holy Spirit, what does that say? Its role should be in our growth in as Christians. Yeah, if, if, I mean, it's uh, since the, the Bible is the main tool of the Holy Spirit in our lives, um, to the degree that we're in the Word, to that degree, the Holy Spirit can grow us. To the degree that we're not in the Word, to that degree, the Holy Spirit's going to have a hard time growing us because that's His main tool. If the main tool he's using to grow us has this much of um, role in our lives, well, he can do some stuff, but, man, it's going to be tough, you know. <laughs> he's got this little bitty pick thing to work on our lives, you know. Whereas if we've, if we've, really, we've really got the word and we're really into it, he's got, he's got lots to work with to grow us in our Christian lives. Just makes sense. Being filled with the Spirit. We'll talk about that, what that means later on. But you can't claim to be filled with the Spirit if you're not filled with the Word of God. It doesn't even make sense. If the, if the Word of God is, 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 the, is, the, is the main tool of the Holy Spirit, and we claim to be filled with the Spirit, but we don't have the Word of God, there's something wrong there. Okay? Um, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. When, when the Holy Spirit wants to produce fruit in us, course, we seek it, and he produces it. It's, it's a mutual thing. But if his main tool is the Word of God, then, again, to the degree that the Word of God has a big portion of our lives, to that degree, it's going to be easier for the Holy Spirit to produce his fruit in us. If the role of the Word of God in our lives is like this, well, don't expect to have much more fruit than this. Okay, so the main tool of the Holy Spirit in our lives is, is the Word of God. So, how many of you are satisfied with your Bible knowledge and time and application? How many of you feel like you've got this thing nailed? Good. Well, I'd probably think you were lying if you put your hand So... Um, why don't you, why don't you just take five minutes or so and just think about what you can do, maybe a step to beef it up.
So as the main tool of the Holy Spirit in your life has a bigger role, so the Spirit can do more things, better things uh, in your life. Um, and and, and I, 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 I put it in those, in those three terms, um, uh, knowledge, knowledge of the Word, time with the Word, and application. Because you can have lots of knowledge of the word, but you really, you know, maybe you picked it all up in seminary and you haven't picked up a Bible since, you know. Um, you can spend a lot of time with the word, but not really be applying it. It's just, you just like to study the Bible, you know. Yeah, that's the application here, obedience. Yeah. So. Um, just take five minutes or so and think, what can I do to beef some of this stuff up? You know, maybe one or two, three ideas if you've got them. You don't have to share them. Just, just, um, just to wrap things up here. Uh, since it is the main tool of the Holy Spirit in our lives, what can we do to make it more, give it more of a place in our lives?
Okay. Well, there you go. Um, any last word? Anybody? I mean, you can share something if you want, but uh, any any last question, word, comment that you before we wrap it up here? Ah, I like that, the way he said it. Neglect of this will hinder my spiritual life. Okay. Any other comments? Or? Mm-hmm. It's harder, Mary. It's harder as we're older. <laughs> it doesn't stick as much, but it works. I mean, you can do it. Yeah, I was I was working on on some stuff too, and uh, you can do it. It just, you know, what I find it doesn't stick as long. You know, it's it's there while you're working on it, and and that's good. I think you should because there's something about memorizing, just going over and over and over, and those thoughts just just go in there. And I believe I believe they're in there when the Spirit wants to use it. It's there. I don't know why. Maybe it is. Maybe I don't read enough on spiritual disciplines, but like when we were um, studying like spiritual disciplines, it seems to me like Bible memorization ought to be a spiritual discipline. I mean, I'd rather have somebody that memorizes the word than fasts for three days. Absolutely. Give me somebody that memorizes the word and then, then somebody that, you know, if you're going to choose one or the other, then fasts. But, you know, we talk about fasting and stuff like that. And that, that's, that's fine. You know, that, nothing wrong with fasting. But, man, memorizing the Word of God, that, that's amazing. That's, that's great. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. That's a good one. If, any, if you guys um, aren't memorizing the Word, give, a, give it a shot, man. It's, it's really, 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 really good. I mean, I, it's just like the, the verses that I memorized are the ones that the Holy Spirit uses. They're the ones that the Holy Spirit uses. When I'm thinking about something, I, I don't have time to sit down and, you know, okay, I'm going to make a decision here. Let me study the Word and find something out. No, I'm just, I'm just there, you know. I'm sitting there at my breakfast saying, what should I do today and everything. And verses that I've memorized, that's what comes to mind, you know. Or, man, I'm in this situation. Man, this is tough. Well, it's the verses that I've memorized that come to mind. So, yeah, I can't, I can't, um, I can't recommend that enough. Thanks for bringing that up, Andrew. Anything else? Absolutely. There's a lot for kids. A lot for kids. Yeah. Well, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, so um, 
so the rest, the rest we're going to talk about is the, the, the main purpose of the Holy Spirit and the main tool of the Holy Spirit are like just the foundation of, of, of everything. So, um, you know, we're, we're going to talk about um, the, 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 the work of the Spirit in, in the church, and gifts, all that kind of stuff. But remember, the main tool and the main purpose of the Holy Spirit gifts, we should talk about the fruit of the Spirit, we talk about, um, you know, yeah, the filling of the Spirit, baptism of the Spirit, you know, different things like that, the, the main purpose, the main tool, you know, so you got that, that's good, all right, let's pray, Lord God, we thank you for the Holy Spirit once again, we thank you for um, the amazing gift of the Word of God, and it's written down, it's not just some oral thing that Man, for centuries, uh, your your people, um, they didn't have it, or or they they had even when it was written down. You know, there were just a few copies out there that they had to be, they they had to be have them read to them and stuff like that. We we've got it right here. Um, we can we can we can look at it every day, and it's right there, right before our eyes. We just thank you for that gift, and um, uh, may we, may we may we take it in and 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 use it well in our lives. Give, give it the value in our lives that it really deserves. So, uh, so thank you for tonight. Thank you for um, these, that have, these that have come out and uh, bless us as we go out and seek to live with and walk by the Spirit.